Nirvana is an endless expanse of unused consciousness and awareness. Nirvana is something that we eternally are. Nirvana is reality. Nirvana is not a time or a place or a dimension, although it includes times and dimensions and places. Nirvana is beyond the ocean, beyond the sky, beyond eternity itself. We are alive. We believe, we think, act, conceive, rebel, oppress, liberate. We are alive. We do things without knowing why, inventing answers that satisfy our minds, projecting reasons into the sun and the sky. Long before we came into this world, long before this world, nirvana existed. Empty of thought waves, permanent, eternal, everlasting, brighter than 10 billion suns, without shape or form, yet giving all things shape and form. When this world has gone away, when all the people we know, all the beings who have ever been, have said their last and done their last, nirvana will remain. Nirvana is an end to pain and suffering. This is a world filled with pain and suffering. The absence of nirvana is suffering. A spiritually liberated person like myself or someone else who has crossed the ocean of life and death and come to rest in nirvana is the opiate to life. Human beings seek us out because when they're in our presence, they no longer feel the pain of separativity. They seek us out and for a few brief moments or hours or days or years, the pain of life decreases. But then something lures them back to the pain. They seek rebirth. They seek salvation in this world or in some other world. They forget the perfection of awareness, nirvana, the causeless cause. Why do we seek suffering so? 
Krishna and Arjuna come to mind. Krishna, the liberated soul, he who has become nirvana, Arjuna, the seeker, who wants yet does not want liberation. Liberation means extinction of all that you know and all that you love. To the ignorant, to the wise, liberation rather is going beyond this world, beyond time, beyond place, beyond space dimension, beyond maya, becoming the suffusion of eternal light. But only the illumined know nirvana. Nirvana does not cause anyone or anything to cease in this world or any other world. Nirvana, rather, is perspective. It's a release from bondage. Not simply the bondage of the body or of time or of this world, but the bondage of vision, perspective, thinking that we're someone or something trapped in a body in time in place, thinking that we're important, that we matter, or feeling that we don't matter. Nirvana doesn't cause this world to go away, because this world has never really existed in the way that we think that it does. Our absorption in nirvana does not alter cause and effect. Rather, what happens is we become absorbed in nirvana. That is to say, the we that we always knew is replaced by another we, which is nirvana, in which case this world dissolves. Life dissolves, death dissolves, all people's places, dimensions, times, causations, pains, loves, all these things dissolve. Insubstantial, transitory, like a cloud that moves through the sky and appears to be quite solid and is for a time. But soon the winds of time move through it causing its whiteness to separate, and soon it dissolves before our eyes, it vanishes into the sky, it's gone. So all these worlds which seem so substantial to us, our careers, our families, our friends, our concerns, even our silence in meditation, vanishes, as does the cloud in nirvana. Nirvana being not an end or a beginning, beginnings and ends, are ways of seeing things that we, women and men in this world, create. Nirvana just is. Why are we so afraid of dissolution of the personality? 
Why do we seek to be eternal, to suffer forever? Answerless questions. Nirvana is absorption. Suffering is being. Being and non-being are really the same, different words to express the same idea. There is no such thing as non-being in the sense that most people mean it. Non-being can only be a projection of one who has being. Without one who has being, there's no projection of non-being. If I don't exist, how can I have a concept of non-being, a forward and backward in time? These things really don't exist except that I give them life. But if I, who am the cause of all things, the creator of all heavens and hells, vanish like the cloud dissolved in eternity, formless, then all of these things cease to exist. It is I who give them form. It is I who give them formlessness. But if there's no I, then there's no heaven, no hell, no eternity. So a spiritual seeker seeks an end to suffering. The spiritual seeker spends lifetimes looking for an illumined person, one who has become absorbed in nirvana. What Shankara calls liberation while living, that is to say, while still in the body, one has attained to liberation. When you come to such a person, when you sit and meditate with them, you experience a minor liberation, a touch of nirvana, just to be in the presence of such a holy person. And we remember, we remember dissolution. One can only suffer if one is still one. If one is no longer one, there is no suffering, no sorrow. But in the mind of one who suffers, Suffering matters. Suffering is something to seek because suffering perpetuates being. And the thought of non-being, which is created by being, is awesome, frightening, terrible. You may climb to the very highest mountaintop, but then to leave the mountaintop and to go into the thin air itself it seems impossible to travel across the deserts to the ocean than to swim out into the ocean and disappear, to disappear from your own sight. Not simply to lose awareness, nor to become awareness, but to lose sight, nirvana, the ultimate reality all gods and goddesses, beings and places, astral worlds, physical worlds, the samadhis, all 
come forth from nirvana. Nirvana is not separate from life, to think that nirvana is juxtaposed to life, that it's antithetical to life is really a lack of vision. Nirvana is not empty or meaningless or, or foreign in any way. There is nothing but nirvana. But we could say that there are two types of nirvana from the point of view of the relative mind. There is nirvana in its absolute form. Then there is nirvana as seen from the point of view of form. In the first case, nirvana is not something to be experienced since there is no longer an experiencer. There is only nirvana, perfect, seamless reality. The second is nirvana in form, nirvana in self-awareness, self-awareness as a being, perceiving nirvana, You look, you see the hills, the mountains, the people. You see nirvana. You are part of nirvana, seeing other parts of nirvana. Two forms. So the spiritual seeker seeking liberation from pain and suffering, which is this world, the transitory, comes to the enlightened person and says, Please show me the truth. Reveal to me what is right. Show me the Dharma, the absolute truth, the way. I want to suffer no more. I seek perfection. And the teacher, who is nirvana in veiled form, through personality, reveals the way gradually teaches the student the steps to erase oneself. The student follows the steps, learns to meditate, learns to become pure, humble, self-effacing, self-giving. But one thing still remains, nirvana, in its absolute formlessness. The student will follow all the lessons, if the student is an excellent student, one out of tens of thousands, of millions, and will come all the way to the verge of nirvana, to the verge of dissolution. And at that moment, something will rise up within that student, within each person, and will stop just short of dissolution, that part of them which is still being will fight for life like the patient on the table who's fighting for their life. But nirvana has nothing to do with patients or tables or teachers or students. Nirvana is neither concerned nor unconcerned. Nirvana is limitless perfection everything that you are, all loves, all places, and all peoples, all forms are nirvana. In veiled form, nirvana is veiled by maya. Maya is illusion, the illusion of separativity, seeing nirvana 
from this world in separate forms as opposed to the perfect formlessness of nirvana. To go beyond the categorical mind completely, to go beyond the self, to exhaust all one's karmas, to become nirvana. Only then is one beyond the wheel of birth and death because one is not. There can be no death for one who no longer exists, for one who is no longer one. There can be no rebirth, vanished without a trace. Absorption. Neither death nor birth nor rebirth. Everyone suffers in this world. All of you who are listening to me suffer. Even when you're happy, you suffer. You suffer even in happiness. In the respect that you are not in the effulgence of liberation. The body torments you, the mind torments you, the world, the ignorance, the cruelty torments you. But simply the mere fact that you are not liberated torments you more than all these things. There is great beauty in this world. There is love, compassion, joy, gratitude, friendship, strength, There is much beauty in this world and in other worlds. But all of these beauties come and go. They're transitory. They should be enjoyed. They should not be shunned. But all of the beauties of all the worlds that have ever been and will ever be, all of the ecstasies that have ever been and will ever be, all of the joys, the loves, when stretched from end to end throughout eternity, will not even be noticed in nirvana. A candle held to the sun is not seen. So great is the light of the sun. So the light of nirvana is greater than a hundred billion suns. The ecstasy is beyond expression. The silence beyond contemplation. The way is free and clear, yet few will reach it. And of those who reach it, how many will return? None. That which comes out of nirvana is not the same as that which went in. We walk into the room, the door shuts behind us. Were somebody to open the door and look in the room, they would see no one there, gone, vanished without a trace. If someone walks out of the room, who's that? Nirvana in veiled form. Karma binds us to this world, to any world, to anything, to the idea of being someone, selfhood we call it. Karma means essence, substance. Desire creates the illusion of selfhood. 
we are free-flowing consciousness. We are the thin air. But a desire passes through the air as a cloud does. And so the self is born. Something identifies with that desire. Something says, I am here and I am experiencing this desire. It is my desire. That desire leads us astray. It leads us to something. It's, it offers us a promise. It says, I want this. Or the desire becomes its opposite aversion. I don't want that. Likes, dislikes, the pairs of opposites are formed. Soon we construct a world of desires and aversions. We want pleasure. We don't want pain. We want life. We don't want death. We want joy. We don't want sorrow. But life is merely a dream. This world is not substantial. Desires are not substantial. All places, persons, and conditions are not substantial. Right now you're in a dream, but you've forgotten that you're in a dream. You think that you're awake. You think that you know. You don't. Nirvana is waking from the dream of life. The dream, no matter how beautiful, is still a dream. And compared with the reality of existence, it is nothing. Nirvana is ecstasy and beyond. An end to suffering. Joy and love beyond expression. Nirvana is neither empty nor full. It's not an end to your being. Rather, it is your eternal being. Seek ye nirvana. Seek the skies. This world is transitory. It is not our real home. Our real home is nirvana. Remember, break through your amnesia and remember. Remember in meditation, sit in silence, stop all thought, and recollection will take place. The mind will become calm, shining, perfect. No longer will the mind be the mind, nor the body the body, nor this world this world. All that will exist is eternity. The void is a projection of nirvana. The physical world exists above the physical world or the subtle physical worlds, the astral worlds we call them. Above the astral worlds, the void. The void is the sky in which the planets hang. The ether is the astral. The void supports both the physical and the astral. It's emptiness in the sense that it is background. The void is the active projection of nirvana. It creates the worlds, holds the worlds in suspension, and dissolves the worlds. Nirvana is that cause beyond the void. 
because the void itself is transitory. Nirvana is not that which is transitory. The way to seek nirvana, to begin with, love is usually the best. When we start our journey, we need to learn love. Love is unity, unity in multiplicity. As you meditate, you'll learn about love. You'll learn to love your body, even though it doesn't last to love your mind, whether it's filled with pure or impure thoughts, to love this very beautiful world which we are visiting, to love the beings in this world, the spiritual seekers, those who have no conscious interest in spirit, yet are naturally spiritual, that is to say their inner being, is attuned to eternity while their conscious being may ignore it. Those who are vile, who hate others, those who suffer, those who are condemned, to love them all. We learn to love the non-physical beings, the gods, goddesses, beings, forms, forces. Each one is a projection of ourselves. Each one is ourself. As our love grows, the vision ceases. We no longer see the world, people, beings, places, existences, lokas, as separate, but as our own being. Then we go to the ocean. We leave everyone and everything behind. We take a walk to the beach by ourselves and we sit on the sand and we look out at the ocean and we contemplate that which has nothing to do with life as we know it, that which has nothing to do with love, joy, the other world beyond this shore. We contemplate that void and we become one with it. We learn to love it. It's shining immutable, shining immutable reality. And we see ourselves in it we see that we are not a person, we are not a body, we are not a mind. We are eternity. We are the shining void. We are the worlds, subtle, physical, the beings. And that's where most people stop. If they get that far, they stop there. Because again, the fear, the fear of dissolution, the fear of perfection haunts us. But a day will come when you, like I have, will find that without knowing why or how, you will walk beyond that point and dissolve, swept away by a wind that you couldn't control, try though you could. Then you'll dissolve. There are no words to express it, what it's like. You may reappear and you'll find yourself in the world again half man or woman, half nirvana. Just enough form to act in this world. Then you'll become the opiate of the masses. They will seek you out. 
to be near you, to feel that infiniteness, and you yourself will lead a strange, strange life. Strange in the sense that you will no longer be exactly human. You will be nirvana. Yet you will find that you still exist. You still have a body, what Shankara calls liberation while in the body. And you must wait out your time and go through this life, nirvana, serving others. Nirvana, accessible through the form to itself, in and through itself. Then one day, the body will pass away. It won't be any different since you didn't have a body. Others saw you as having a body. There was no body. No body at all. Nirvana. Beyond eternity. Beyond time. <laughs> 